Good evening, church. Today's reading is from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And, and excuse me, God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, good evening. It's, thank you, good evening. All right, it's not only for Marcus. I need, to, I need you to respond to me too. It's good to see you. My name's Dave, and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson. And uh, yeah, I'm glad we can be here gathered together as a church um, family in this season. I also want to say, as Keith said earlier, um, uh, yeah, just happy anniversary. This is one of those, um, probably not many were, were here that first Sunday. It was like 140. 50 degrees inside Safford Auditorium, and the principal of the school was there with us, and he, he and his wife went and got a bunch of fans and turned them on and all that, and it's, we've, it's been a long, a long time. Um, we just kind of blew right through our anniversary look last year. We didn't even, you know, it was one of those where we're like, we're just going to keep going. Um, I don't even know if we even noticed it. Um, you know, we're like, what month is it? But uh, this year, it's, this is more like one of those where, you know, we're like, oh, it's our anniversary. Yeah, happy anniversary. Let's Let's get some ice cream, McDonald's ice cream cone, a buck fifty. You know, celebrate. Um, in ten years, we'll probably have ponies and clowns, food trucks. You know, who knows? It's we're going big. But right now, I'm glad we're here. We're here together. Um, uh, I want to let you know out of the gates, I have a stutter, so it, it'll kind of come in and out. And just want to um, let you know what that is. And uh, as we get into it, I want to um, remind, especially p- parents. Um, that we're gonna go, we're gonna go for it um, this week and next week. We're talking very candidly and honestly about um, gender this week, and then sex um, next week as we walk through the countercultural convictions series. So um, I'm gonna go ahead and pray right now, and uh, invite and ask God to oversee our time, to shepherd us, and lead and guide us through this important conversation. And again, just want to encourage parents. It's your your discretion. Um, uh, with that. So let's go ahead and, and pray. Heavenly Father, we, we need you. Um, yeah, we invite your Holy Spirit. We ask that you will fill the room. We ask that you will fill our hearts. Lord, we ask that you will turn our eyes toward you. Lord Jesus, I have a keen sense of, of our need to um, Lord, to to kind of hold our hearts open-handedly before you. And I confess in myself, and I I would think for many of us, there's a sense of fear, um, not only uh, from this time and what we are talking about, but also just being known, um, being exposed, having um, ourselves kind of brought into the the light, even if it's into your light. Um, Many of us have, have, um, have fear. So, we pray that you will, you will speak to us as you see fit. Um, thank you that you're good. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. 
So um, out of the gates, let me, let me read um, perhaps the most countercultural thing I'll say tonight and, and throughout this whole series. Um, let me read something for us about where we're coming from as a church always, not just this, this evening as we talk about gender, but always. This is our posture. And I also want to tell you somehow, don't, um, don't like be distracted when I read this, but also I'm going to share a slide after this one where, um, with some resources that you can, you can look at if you want to press into this more deeply. So if you want to take a picture of it or we'll send it out in the midweek email and we'll hope, you know, have it on the app, but I just want to give you a heads up because, um, that's not going to be up there long, but first let me just set the tone for what we're talking about and where we're coming from. This is from our membership. Um, covenant. Love. Jesus shows us how love is truth-telling, humble, sacrificial, considerate, hospitable, hostility-absorbing, non-reactive, lower-place-taking, honest, initiative-taking, thoughtful, serving, forgiving, and ultimately substitute Love is not blind. It enables us to see and empathize with the perspective of others. Love is not in a hurry. It is pleased to take the time to cultivate relationships rooted in trust and respect. So this is the posture that I'm coming from uh, this evening that we always will take, no matter where we are. And you could see some themes in there um, that are likely even that might feel or seem contradictory, um, right? It is, it is truth-telling and takes initiative and is patient and long-suffering. And, and um, so let me um, go ahead and throw this slide up there, please. Caitlin, thank you. You're putting in your work this evening for us. Um, if you want to get, get out your phone and take a picture of that, or again, we'll, we'll send some things um, throughout this, this week. And um, there are a bunch of resources there, some different articles, podcasts, books, um, people I've talked to and listened to that if you want to press more deeply into some of these things, um, I would encourage you to. And I'll say too, I've read and prepared for this more than um, really any other sermon for sure that I've ever done or ever given. And yet I came back to the same place. Um, and it's this. I, we're, this is not going to be a time where I'm the smartest person in the room. That's never the case. But where I'm like telling you all the smart things that I know and how you can too know all these things intellectually. Um, that's just not where I can come from. That's, I can't give you that. A bunch of the names that I put up there are smart and are really godly and, um, and I think navigate this, this, this subject very well. But I also want to say that, um, that, that what we're talking about is not a subject. Okay, we're, we're talking to and with and about people. And um, I, I want to say this multiple times this evening, but it's this. If you are here and you yourself walk through different forms of gender um, identity, um, perhaps dysphoria, gender dysphoria, um, things like that. You have people in your family, in your relationship, people you're close with. Um, I want you to hear this. Uh, God sees you and God loves you. I love you and I'd love to hear more of your story. And, and, and with that, um, 
it, that's acknowledging this, that we're entering into a conversation likely somewhere around chapter five. Like, what would it look like to circle back to chapter one when, as we talk with each other, as we, we engage in, in our own hearts, our own stories? Is Who are you? Where, where, where do you come from? What's your life been like? Um, again, in, we, we too quickly just jump right in at chapter five. And again, we talk about subjects and topics and forget we're talking to and with and among people. And, and again, as I said earlier, it's out of the gates. What's my bottom line? Where am I coming from? It's Jesus. It's, um, if, if preaching is, a, is, a, is an instrument, I play a one-string guitar. <laughs> okay, I'm not, I'm not, as I said, super bright. I'm, I, all I know and can bring us before is Jesus. That you've, some of you have heard me share this before, that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, the author Paul says, When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my speech were not with persuasive words of wisdom, amen, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith won't rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's, that's my expectation. And so I wanna ask us this question again as we walk through is this. What's your story, and where do you fit into God's greater story? Because all throughout Scripture, as we talked, we've, we started last week, and this week, and then next week, we are in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, walking through that, those couple of verses, the assumption is that God created, that in the beginning, God and then he created all of us in his image. He gave us the cultural mandate. He said, be fruitful, multiply, cultivate all things. And then we said, thanks, but no thanks. And sin entered in. All things have been affected and infected by sin. Sin is life experienced and defined and shaped outside of God's oversight. That is sin. And then um, God said, I won't leave you there, but I'm entering in. I'm coming among you. I'm, 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 I'm experiencing, I'm taking on flesh, I'm walking with you. And then he put an end to um, the effects and the impact and the rule, the assumption, the dominance of sin when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. And then he said, um, I'm gonna take you somewhere. It's, it's beginning now, but it will come in full fruition later where all things are restored, where every tear is wiped away, where every question is answered and where all things are made new, and that's the story. And the assumption, again, right here, I, I, is we even at, enter into this, this conversation on gender, um, the question I wanna first start with would be this. Do you think or believe Jesus rose from the dead? Right, that might seem kind of out, amen, yes. Um, it, some who might not, I want at least that to be out there. Because that is the question undergirding any question. Did Jesus raise from the dead? If he didn't, then like we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we should eat and drink and be merry. We should do whatever we want. We should come up with, we should figure out life the way we want it to be lived and make sense of life the way we think it ought to be made, made, made sense of because Jesus, if he didn't really raise from the dead, why should we listen to him? But if he did, and he did, then what he says about everything matters. 
then, then we do well to ask, what does Jesus say about this? And so again, another, um, another uh, assumption I want to make here is this, is that, um, uh, is, and again, and a, 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 that, that question about your story is what is your story and where is Jesus in it? Um, and, and what we're going to do is we're going to camp out in, uh, in one passage, in Matthew chapter 19. If you want to turn there with me, we're going to just walk through a few verses where Jesus enters into this conversation about people and with people. And what we'll see is this. Jesus clearly affirms the biblical male-female binary and compassionately recognizes the complexity of life lived in the broken world that he has come to redeem and restore. Okay, so I wanna ask us all to sit in this place and to kind of stay with us as we look at Jesus and we'll circle back to again, that big idea is this. I wanna say it again, okay, is that Jesus clearly, simply and clearly affirms, stands on, assumes the biblical male-female binary regarding gender and recognizes the complexity of life and the broken, fallen world that he has come to redeem and restore. So first, let's look at Jesus's clarity. He brings clarity. In Matthew chapter 19, verses four through six, read with me. He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So again, just out of the gates here, I want to acknowledge that Jesus very clearly quotes Genesis chapter 1 and affirms the biblical male-female binary. He's in a conversation where people are trying to trap him. And we'll see here that people are constantly, like in our day, trying to navigate these difficulties of life in a broken world um, in very simplistic, even kind of trapping ways. And Jesus will have nothing of it. He won't be, he won't be, um, he won't be led uh, or painted into a corner. He won't allow that. And so as he answers this question specifically here about divorce, he is um, he's affirming clearly the biblical male-female binary. He's, in, he's affirming and, and clearly um, walking people through his plan for marriage, for sex, for um, who we are as image bearers of God. Okay, so that's what he's doing. And, and let, me, let me pause for a moment and say, we see Jesus's love in being clear. Um, we live in a world, again, that, that, that I think probably many of us feel a sense of fear or angst sometimes whenever asked a particular question. Given the context we're in, it's, it, we're often afraid to give a clear answer. And we don't see that in Jesus. Again, earlier we saw that love is, uh, is, 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 is absorbing that he absorbs the, 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 the pain, he absorbs the potential, um, the potential awkwardness, right? He, he, he takes it on and he addresses lovingly. And I just want to pose this, uh, this question, is it not loving to be clear? Uh, there are a couple of examples over the last like 10 or so years 
where, where we've seen in kind of broader society um, different forms of um, tr- trans reality that's not only transgender. Um, very fa- famously, the NAACP president, um, Rachel Dolezal, some of you remember this conversation. Um, and when, when pressed on this, that she was born as a white woman um, it w- and was asked how or why did you become the NCAA, or sorry, NAACP um, president, she explained, well, I, I identify as an African-American woman. And through conversations with her and pressing into her story, right, there was more to the story. The bottom line, though, was this, it's important to understand what's going on here. It would be unloving and unkind to just kind of turn a blind eye and be like, oh, okay, well, then, 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 go, then go for it, right? That, that people of color, African-American descent would say, this isn't who we want. It's kind of speaking on our behalf or overseeing this, this, um, this organization. There's complexity there, right? And there's a love is clear. There's, and maybe even more, and I would encourage you, maybe if you're at all kind of get, get sick in the stomach or something, it can be jarring. There are a couple images that you could Google if you want to read about this more, but there are people who have, who have identified as trans species. There, um, there's, there's a man who, um, who identifies as a dragon. And, and there are um, interviews where you can see him interview. There's another, there's a woman who identifies as a cat. And in both cases, um, right, it can be easy at arm's length to, to chuckle, to laugh, to whatever it is, you know. But when you watch these people, image bearers of God, human beings in conversation, it's tragic. It would be unloving. I think it was unloving to not enter in and clearly, com- yet compassionately, say, I don't think you're a dragon. I don't think getting things implanted into your head, your skull and your tongue separated and, and tattoos and your face disfigured and reshaped because you're a dragon. And when you watch the interview of this, this identity fully lived out, it's not successful. It's not rejoicing and free and hope-filled. And Something that hits home to me when I was preparing this sermon for the first time again a number of years ago, I thought about things like eating disorders or self-harm or alcoholism, which I would say all those things I just shared in many cases overlap with each other. Um, when I was preparing this, I didn't know. So this was, right, we were going to preach this March 15th, 2019. Um, that was the plan. At that point, preparing the sermon, I didn't know that three members of my family would die because of substance abuse. And yet now, 18 months later, the reality of love stepping in and having conversation and saying, I know, I know you think this is the best way to live your life. I know you feel this. I, I, I know your story. I want to hear more of your story. Let's walk in this, not just dismiss it, take two of these verses and call me in the morning, but to enter in and yet to speak clearly. We see that in Jesus. We see Jesus clearly affirming, telling, teaching the biblical male-female binary that God created male and female in his image. So with that, I want to be clear, and let me just read a few things for, from our membership 
packet. Again, well, these, all these things, it's one of the sources, but you can just look up our Redemption Tucson Moon membership, or I'm sorry, Redemption Arizona Moon membership, and, and we, we've done a lot of work of pressing into this. But here is out of the gates. In a world that sees gender as a fluid social construct, we believe that biological sex, male and female, is created by God, and gender identity should be understood and expressed within one's biological sex. So to get our, our terms right, because I probably may, many of us kind of use terms incorrectly, or um, when, when speaking of, of sex, we're talking about um, biology. We're, we're talking about, um, um, again, I I about, about physical body. And then when referring to gender, we're talking of masculine, feminine. Um, gender is re re referring to an expression of one's sex, biological or otherwise identified. So again, sex, biology, uh, gender, and expression of one's sex. Um, transgender ideology um, separates our sex assigned at birth from our true gender identity and would say um, your sex assigned at birth is not the ultimate de determinant of your gender, but other things are, your gender identity, how you choose to identify. So again, now that our, our kind of terms are clear, I, I wanna say, okay, lo lovingly here, I wanna press into every single one of us, um, you matter who you are, every part of your story from before you were born to this moment, to the last breath you breathe, matters to God. He made you, he made you who you are, how you are, in his image. He loves you. So with that, let me continue to read from our membership statement. Our bodies are sacred. Again, let me pause for a moment and just ask you, do you believe that? wherever we're talking about, even regard to gender, we zoom out here. Again, we're talking about people. We're all people here. We, we need to, do we, do you believe that? Do you believe your body is sacred? Whatever your height, weight, whatever you angle, you don't want pictures of you taken, you know, whatever these things might be, whatever's happened to you, whatever you've chosen to do, um, whatever you've done to, maybe in response to what's been done to you, your body matters. Our bodies are sacred. We are not just persons who have bodies, we are bodies. Body and soul share an integral union, mutually integral to our personhood. We are embodied souls and unsold and ensouled bodies. Sorry, let me re-say that because we are embodied souls and ensouled bodies. The body's sexed nature as male or female is not only significant, but bound up with our creation in the image of God. Jesus reaffirms the diversity of the sexes as ethically significant and grounded in the structure of creation. So again, um, think love is being clear and, and, and that, that our sex and our gender are, are given by God. And Jesus clearly explains and paints the picture that this is um, 
how I've created the world, God says. This is who I've made you to be, and this is how you live life as my image bearers. And, and so um, I, I, I want to just again acknowledge we live in a world, though, right now that, that we feel forced to be in one of two places, to say, see, and maybe some of us, many of us most likely in here this evening are like, um, yeah, clear, Jesus is clear, it's clear, you're male, female, and there's just kind of this, this, uh, this kind of dismissive, unloving posture that, that I, Jesus doesn't have, but so far we're like, amen, amen, that's easy, it's just easy, right? It's, it's easy to navigate this question, we can be dismissive and unloving and trite and harmful with a posture that just says it's either that or on the flip side that would say, let's just broaden the spectrum as wide as can be as far as the East is from the West and one's feeling and one's identity in any given moment at any given age is ultimate and defines their reality and to not love and to not, um, or it, it, to love means to not even question or ask questions or have clear conversation. And, and, and as is always the case, um, Jesus doesn't play by the rules. He created the rules. So he ushers in something altogether different. And again, we see in Jesus that he is both clear and compassionate. He recognizes the complexities of world of the world that we live in, of life in a broken and fallen world. And again, hear me, outside of our conversation about gender, whatever you and I walk through, whatever it might be, whatever um, the brokenness of the world is, he never dismisses it, ever. If you or I hear that, if it's like, oh yeah, but, if it's just kind of a, let's move on. If there's any kind of trite posture about yourself and or about others, it's not coming from Jesus. It's not coming from his spirit. It's coming from some other spirit. You and I are never brushed aside tritely. Jesus recognizes the complexity of life lived as male and female in a broken and fallen world. Read um, along with me now in verses 10 through 12 here of Matthew 19. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I'm sorry, I'm not in the right place here. Where did I go? I'll, oh, verse, verse 10 here. Let me just read here from, okay, Matthew 19, verses 10 through 12. The disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to m marry but he said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. Let me pause there and say, we'll likely talk about this and press into singleness next week. But um, there are a lot of things that we assume in our world that Jesus does not assume. And one of them is that your relationship status, your ability to give birth 
to reproduce, um, whether or not you have, that, that, that kind of stuff matters most, that that defines you. And, and we don't see Jesus carrying that posture. And this conversation is one that was just assumed in the day that he lived, much like our day. And uh, maybe the uh, pendulum is swinging to the other extreme, though, to kind of downplay it um, and just act as though marriage or, you know, doesn't matter or, you know, commitment or covenant doesn't matter or things like that. But again, Jesus does something altogether different. But he himself being single, um, other than marrying his bride, the church, uh, Jesus, Jesus affirms singleness. And he's giving a really, really hard statement that he says, most of you can't handle that. So uh, God's given you these other um, routes with purpose and, and meaning. But anyway, we'll, we'll get into that some other time. But verse 12, for there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this receive it. Verse 12 there, I encourage you to underline, circle, Jesus is navigating the complexities of life lived in a broken world. And I'll just tell you, if you Google this, a lot of people, a lot of Christians, a lot of evangelical Christians have written about this, have blogs and all kinds of things about this. I, I think um, very strongly that, that Jesus is very clearly recognizing and appreciating the complexities of um, sex as it relates to gender. All back to 2,000 years ago, right? First, he says, there are those who are born eunuchs. Um, our term today would be intersex. That, that is a, 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 a scientific, biological, medically true reality for some people. And I will tell you, there is indeed a, a complexity to this. And any of us who want to just tritely kind of dismiss and say, oh, it's male, female, that's it. There, and whether it's one in 60, and there are debates over this, if one in 60 people are born with some form of, um, of, of, of intersex um, reality, or it's one in 60,000, it doesn't really matter. It's, we're talking again about people and the realities. What that could mean is that, is that, um, regarding your, your, your body, your genitals, or your chromosomes. There is some form of incongruity. And this is reality. There are people, um, many, who, who are born with, um, in some cases, chromosomally, uh, in, 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 uh, in a lack of clarity in terms of, is this person male or female? And, and, and then similarly, um, and just to be totally candid and honest here and raw from uh, the, the distinction on f physically, if, if something, if, if, a, if a man is, uh, is born with a, what's known as a micropenis or an elongated clitoris. I'm sorry, I told you PG-13 here. These are, again, I want to be honest, though, to, to press in. We're talking about reality and about people, and there's no room for dismissive, trite uh, kind of posture. 
Okay, they, in many cases, parents at a very young, uh, young age with their, their children need to have conversations with doctors and make decisions about how they're going to raise their children and, and what it's going to look like. And then at some point to have conversations with those children about at a very young age about what it might look like to not be able to um, fi- physically or biologically have or produce children. That's complex. It's, it's unloving to just dismiss that and not move into the complexity. He also talks about um, the, those who are made that way by men. Those who have been forced by different, different processes back then as still happens in our day today. Different surgery, different efforts to, to uh, enslave someone, to put someone in a box, to uh, basically make their sex um, ambiguous or to alter or change their sex by, by force. Or the third one, it says, um, or have done so themselves. And there is, again, there are tons of blogs about this. I will tell you my conviction and belief after pressing into this and seeing the whole breadth of scripture that Jesus is talking about um, people who may have done that themselves before putting their faith in him, which happened like in Galatia, there, there were men who would go through um, uh, like self-castration, um, who, who would make themselves um, basically transgender uh, to, in order to, to worship the, the god of, of the primary god worshipped in Galatia. So they're acknowledging there might be people in that camp, but also as you press in here more deeply, I think primarily Jesus is talking about those who live like eunuchs, those who have taken a vow of celibacy, especially in this context as he's talking about those who have what is referred to as the gift of singleness, who are pressing more deeply into his kingdom um, and, and have basically um, made a, a vow or a commitment to, to not be married. So they live as singles, but don't do anything to alter their sex. So you see, it's, it's complex. And Jesus is not afraid to acknowledge and move into the complexity. So let, let me share this again from our membership packet. We recognize some of our members are born with an intersex condition. Again, that's what I talk about, a a biological reality. And others experience gender dysphoria, a psychological reality. Both of these are real and can be painful. If this is you, you are loved by God created with dignity, value, and worth, and are an invaluable part of God's world and church. We want to walk with you, love you, and serve Jesus together as a church family where there are no second-class citizens, only image bearers who are members of Christ's body. Let me, I want to reread that last part. We want to walk with you, love you, and serve Jesus together. And this is not, this often happens as kind of like paternalistic top-down kind of approach from the church. As we talk about this, I want to acknowledge again, there are clearly godly gifted image bearers um, of his who, 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 who we need to learn from and walk alongside and serve with. And, 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 and as I kind of bring it home, I want to acknowledge the church, not just 
all the churches out there, us included. We're a part of the church, right? We shared this last week when St. Augustine said, the church can be a whore and she's also my mother. There's a recognition where we are a part of the church and we have gotten it wrong in many cases. We haven't clearly and lovingly um, walked into and stood firmly on biblical teaching and ideas entity and, 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 and creational good. And we also haven't lo- lovingly and compassionately walked into and walked through the complexities of life lived in a fallen and broken world. And church, is it not true that we often, I'm talking to us here, we pick the things that are acceptable and then the things that are unacceptable? Um, Rosario Butterfield, this is, which is, who is, she is a person, is a, um, a hot button kind of trigger person for some people. And some people love her, some people don't. Um, she's in, I think she's given a lot of really good, helpful things. I have, her book was on that list of resources. So however you feel about it right now, enter it with me in this. I think what she does incredibly well is she calls out the church and she talks about how, how easy, how palatable of a gospel we've given the majority of us. She, she has, she's a prefe- was a prefe- professor um, at Syracuse and, had, and was, uh, I, as, was a lesbian and had a life partner and has a whole story and a testimony, which I won't try to tell right now. She tells it very well in her book. And, um, and as she navigates that and she talks about her coming to faith, she understands that the call of the gospel is a call to die. That the call of the gospel, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. He says, you're, you're putting to death everything about your life apart from me. All that is shaped and informed and defined by life apart from God, you're submitting to him. And then you're finding new life, resurrected life, eternal life, restored life, glorious life in him and through him. And, and some of us think there's a shortcut that he says, well, come, say this prayer. Um, as long as you do the acceptable things and not the unacceptable things, it's cool. You're a Christian. Just say this prayer, follow us. Church, I want to tell you that's unloving of me and of us toward you. Not just toward people who uh, have gender dysphoria or, or walk through the, the complexities of, 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 of gender and sex. Okay, she says, no, when God called me to die, it included my lesbian lifestyle. But then she calls out and acknowledges for many of us, we don't, it's though that's listed in the same sentences often as gossip, slander, greed, lack of hospitality, racism, Right, but we think, oh, those things are complex. Oh, yeah, those are complex. Right, we'll just kind of walk through that, and oh, it's I'm, you know, I'm getting better. I'm going. We embrace this kind of prolonged, kind of soft sanctification. But someone walking through same-sex attraction or gender dysphoria is called to die and lay it all down. And then, as one of my good friends said, kind of just live as a second-class citizen in the church. No. That's not, Jesus' call to all of us is come and die, come and lay it all down, and then find life and live life together alongside one another with each other. So again, I want to ask the question, what's your story? 
And where does it fit into his greater story? Jesus lovingly and compassionately enters into every one of our stories. And he doesn't leave us there. He's taking us somewhere. Church, let me also say, we are all sexually broken. Okay, as I was preparing for this, I was thinking through my identity as a male and how my stepfather impacted my identity as a male. The things he said, the way I now live as a male, as a father, as a husband, and pour into my son as an emerging, growing young man. And the ways that's informed and broken. Though, again, just we'll talk about this next. The way it's not like all of a sudden because I married my wife and, and we've gotten together and, and, and had sex under a uh, built on covenant that it's all just easy and perfect now and good and there's nothing that needs to be brought into the healing light of the gospel. And sometimes the surgical light of the gospel. You matter as an, as an image bearer of God. More than anything else, more than first and foremost, fundamentally, foundationally, every one of us, more than who your relationship status, more than your ability or inability to procreate, more than your, your social standing, more than uh, even more than how you view yourself, you matter to God. He created you. He said, I formed you in your mother's womb. I knit you together. Yes, because of sin and because of uh, all kinds of different things, you might be a different height than you would have been. You might have a speech impediment. You might have um, your, 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 your chromosomes might, might interact differently than I created them to, to be um, in the beginning. Your, your, your addiction and proclivity to addiction, even before birth, might, might, be, uh, might be greater or less than someone else and all these things it's been everything has been affected and infected by sin including every one of our stories and God says I see you and I don't just dismiss it I enter into it and then God says I'm, I'm here with you and sometimes we say we were too afraid and he reaches in lovingly and grabs our hand and he picks us up and he carries us and he says I'm walking you somewhere I'm calling you to die in order to live. And in the end, it is far more beautiful and far more good than you can fathom, than you could ever think to ask or imagine or hope. So again, church, as we close, what's your story? And where does it fit into his greater story? Where is Jesus taking you that's so much better than you could ever ask, think, hope, or imagine? If you hear nothing else, hear this. God loves you. He sees you. We love you. I love you. Can we walk alongside each other in the goodness and grace of Jesus? Let's pray. Lord, have your way with us. You're good, you're patient, you're kind. Lord, I pray for every individual in this room. God, I, I have such a keen awareness right now of the, the need for people to not be hearing my words right now, Lord, but hearing from you. I pray that, Lord, through your spirit, you speak to every heart in this room. Lord, for those of us who have not struggled 
and the things that we're talking about, I pray that you will convict us for where we've been trite and unloving, where we've overly simplified, where we haven't loved our neighbor well. Lord, for every one of us in here who's broken, sexually broken, broken with our relationship with ourself, our relationship with you, our relationship with others, with how we think you see us, how we think others see us, how we see ourselves. Lord, will you bring healing? Lord, you're so good. I pray that you will set us free from the doubt and the fear that has kept us from your goodness. Lord, we as a church who have settled for a palatable, soft gospel, Lord, will we more courageously enter into the good news, into your loving call to, to die. Lord, to die to, to this easy way of life. Lord, to, a, to a, a, a life where there are acceptable sins and unacceptable sins. Lord Jesus, will we lay it all down and be made new by you. Lord, may we as a church enter into the broken places where you are. Lord, for your glory for others' good, for our joy. Have your way with us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.